Hello and welcome to another edition. Of, hello and welcome to another edition of the CPL Newsroom Show. Christian Jack and Charlie O'Connor Clark with you on this Monday as we recap four more games and the second longest unre- unbeaten run in the Canadian Premier League continues. That's right, Cavalry got another draw. They're unbeaten in ten now, and the only draw of the weekend as there were wins for Forge. Pacific and Valor tightening the gap on those playoff spots. And we'll show you the standings later, of course, in the show. Uh, results this week, York United nil forge two goals from Tasmo de Kudis, his own goal, and Wubens Pacias. FC Edmonton 2, Pacific 3. Sean Young, Josh Hurd, Gennaro Daniels made it 3-0 for the champs. Gabby Vitar, Mamadi Kamara made it 3-2. Atletico Ottawa 1, Cavalry 1. Another Jose Escalante free kick and another screamer from Balu Tabla. And Valor 1, Halifax 0. Moses Diet in the 84th minute rounded out the weekend of action. And Charlie, what a terrific weekend of action it was. Friday to Sunday is always great. And these matchups, as Oliver Platt told me on Saturday in the One Soccer Live broadcast we did, were probably the juiciest so far with all the Mm storylines, and it certainly came out that way. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, really, really good matchups this weekend. I don't think a lot of surprising results, which we'll probably get into, but definitely some entertaining games. And as usual, there are some good atmospheres across the league as well in all these stadiums, it looked like. So yeah, it's, it's another fun one as always. Yeah, really fun one. And as I said, the standings are getting tighter. Are they not? Wow, yeah. boy, boy. I mean, look, don't look now. Here comes Valor. <laughs> I mean, you had this game yesterday. Before we get to that, uh, we have to talk about the clip that went, the mess that went all around the world. Uh, oh, no. Charlie. Uh, I'm watching this game. You're watching this game. It is an interesting uh, discussion because obviously more people than ever are finding out about the Canadian Premier League today because of it. Feel a little bit for Willie McKeo uh, because obviously he's become headline news for the wrong reasons. But let's play this clip. And what were you thinking when you watched this? Because Adam Jenkins was brilliant at commentating. (laughs) I was watching it live and I just I was just it was one of those shout out moments of just absolute astonishment. Yeah, honestly, like. Shout out to Adam for for helping me understand that I wasn't going crazy and that actually was what had happened. Okay, we'll play uh, it with sound in a second. Yeah, then. let's leave it for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it was just such a such a bizarre moment that it took a couple seconds and a couple replays to be like that is actually what I thought happened the first time. Because yeah. usually when you've got the kind of wide camera angle, you see something and and you think that that's what happened, but then you're like, no, I'm sure that it was a deflection or or it went out or or it was in already or something, but. No, it's just a, a really, really bizarre one that is clearly just poor William. Just it was some kind of reflex, some instinctive, oh, ball, kick it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure his brain just kind of just took over for a second. And, and you know, it's it's not one that he will uh, want to remember for very long. But, you know, that's the way it goes. It's probably one of the most watched sports highlights in the whole world yesterday. Oh, um, yeah. Just on, yeah. on every network, really everywhere. Uh, so, you know, poor William. But again, it's it's... It's a crazy moment. It's a crazy. This is a crazy sport, and things like that happen all the time. But 
yeah, it's it's not one that, that Valor will want to remember. But thankfully, uh, he probably owes Moses Dyer dinner or something because he won, won the game for him in the end. They won the game. Uh, for those watching live, here is the clip. For those listening, here's how Adam Jenkins immaculately called uh, one of the plays of the year. Speaking of all whites, there goes Dyer. And deflection will sit up nicely for him. Tracks it down, opens up to his right boot. The cross towards Rigi. Second effort, it dribbles and No! Did Akio clear that off the line himself? What in the world? Rigi had that going. Akio was trying to make sure it got over the goal line and in the end has a goal line stand. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That is clearly going in. Willie gets there and yes, he keeps it out himself. For those paying attention, on Twitter alone, 21 hours ago, it was posted 8.3 million views. Um, and you know, that's not even counting what we've got on Facebook and TikTok. Uh, but credit to OneSocker for getting that out there. Um, and yeah, just astonishing. Uh, but they did win the game. Uh, let's roll the highlights, Charlie. You were on this game. You are our correspondent. And in the end, as you wrote, a pretty typical patient Valor team that broke the lines well and got the goal late. Yeah, they seem to do this a lot, don't they? And even Phil DeSantos kind of said that after the game. Uh, you know, they, they're really good at getting to halftime nil-nil, getting you know, through the game un, you know, unscathed, and then eventually they just wait, and that goal does come eventually. Uh, that's kind of the case here. But they were really the better team for most of this game. Uh, they had far more chances than Halifax. They were way better at getting into the box. You know, they, they got into the box 37 times, compared to Halifax eight times, which is just... Wow. Remarkable, and and some of these some of these moments, obviously, you know, it, it probably should have been two nil, as we can see again here as we roll the highlights. But yeah, I think it's I think it's the right result for Valor to come away with this win. Um, and I think that I think maybe what we have to to shout out most is Daniel Escanio, who mm. comes into this game for Valor, and I think the about the fifty fifth minute, and he really changed it. He was he was phenomenal. It's one of the best you know off the bench debuts I think we've seen in the CPL with just the way that he was instantly able to, as we see here, kind of run at fullbacks, run at defenders. And, you know, he hit Moses Dyer with that perfect cross. Ascanio alone created five chances, and he had eight touches in the box in like half an hour, which is as many as Halifax had over 90 minutes as a full team. So for this Colombian international on loan from Real Santander to have such a good debut is really, really nice for, for Valor, who are getting a little bit healthier and have a lot more competition for places in the squad as well, which is always good. Yeah, and and again, in contrast, I think that's what Halifax needs. They need yeah. a couple of those new faces to come in and change their attack. We'll get some more from them in a second. Uh, but you mentioned it, another 1-0 victory. Three on the bounce now for the first time since last July. <laughs> Three straight wins for Vala. Uh, we head back there to IG Field. Here's Phil DeSantos. Uh, I think our guys got galvanized by by the crowd. It was a good crowd. I, th um, I think that it was probably th the best showing this year. So... You know, a lot of good things, a lot of good good uh, momentum happening for us. Um, new players coming in, so um, I, I think that if we had got, gotten out of this game without the three points, we would all have been disappointed. So, But it shows you how the league is. Eh? It's, it's going to be tight, and every game is a game. Every game is really tight at the moment. Anyone yeah. can seemingly beat anybody on any day. Anywhere. In, anywhere. But in the end, the difference making this one was the goal scorer himself. Here's Moses Dyer. The confidence and confidence is there. It's, it's always been there because even when results went there, we knew 
there was just one or two things that we were missing. And um, yeah, we're, we're just about going, it's just about going forward now and focusing on the next game. Wins against York, Forge, and Halifax, and a trip to Ottawa to come next. So we'll, you know, we know what happened last time they went there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what comes from that. Uh, but suddenly, this Valor team has gone from a team that looked really, really poor earlier in the year, couldn't really get anything going, Charlie, to a team inspired by Moses Dyer and others to becoming a team that now looks very difficult to break down. And suddenly, the profile of a club that could make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. They're just one point behind Forge at the moment. You know, Forge have a game in hand, but still to be that close, especially after some of the results they've had is impressive. And uh, yeah, it's basically the confidence is still there in those attacking players, but we're starting to see them, as you said, much harder to break down. You know, we say it every time, but Andrew Jean-Baptiste is just so important to that yes. squad at the back, the way that he's able to organize them defensively and, and help them to play out of the back um, is is just such so night and day to what they were without him earlier in the season so that's a, that's a massive part of it but again i think just the fact that they're continuing to to stick to their identity to hit teams on the break and transition like that with their just individual attacking quality sean rea Liliakio, you know alessandro Rigi as well and obviously moses dyer these players just being able to to beat defenders more consistently and find each other with those crosses and those passes is really kind of been their key to success in a lot of their biggest wins and for that to continue to be the case is definitely a positive sign yeah it certainly is a positive sign and what we thought we might get from Halifax particularly a couple of weeks ago when they went to Pacific and won 3-0 in dominating fashion right. a, a very good defensive display and they let their attacking players take over the game now Sam Salter was suspended for this they were definitely not at their best uh in terms of what they've got in their attacking talents going forward but boy oh boy if there's ever a game where you think this needs a bit of an influx of a team right now. This is a team that mm -hmm. needs a bit of help. It's, they still haven't replaced Yao Morelli. And in too many games, it's evident that way uh, for me. I understand why they play midfield three. Police, Gagnon, Lepre, and Rapazad, particularly away from home. Uh, but, Charlie, it puts a lot of pressure on the front three to be those difference makers, does it not? And and, and with yeah. Halifax, if you, you know, very often if you can get a goal against them, you're probably going to get a point at least at this point because they're not getting a lot of goals. Yeah, I think so. I think maybe one of the problems with Halifax is their their attack is becoming a little bit predictable and maybe easy to to kind of manage. You know, they in this game against Valor, they got to the final third actually about as many times as Valor did. Uh, but they didn't they couldn't get into the box. They couldn't get the ball into those actual dangerous areas. Uh, you know, Stephen Hart and and Under Rampers had spoke a bit uh after the game about how they made some changes at halftime to maybe run at the fullbacks more. They were trying to to get especially Brett Levi's side because they saw that he was cutting in a lot. So they tried to get in around him and they had a, a lot more of the ball in that, in that second half, especially the first half hour or so of it. Uh, and they, they did look better, but again, they couldn't get it quite to those, those most dangerous areas. Those little, like they couldn't get it from the half spaces into the box or anything like that. And it, it's just, they're not really making those runs when you have those wingers coming in. If they try to play with whether Garcia is a, a false nine or something like that, you need the players to make the runs into the box right for them to get on the end of it and score the goals so i think they just need some fresh ideas some maybe fresh faces in that group you know if Corey bent can get a little bit healthier and he can be in the yeah. starting lineup that might help but uh again it's just it's becoming a little bit predictable with this halifax attack yeah and i think you use a good word in your piece on the analysis at campio.ca you called them lethargic and i thought it was a really good Stephen hart called them lethargic oh, they, oh well there you go then. Uh, <laughs> including Stephen hart let's get back to him and here's his uh, analysis on this one the head coach of halifax wanders I thought we were very, very lethargic in the first half. Um, 
in, in possession, we moved the ball way too slow, and, and out of possession, we weren't we weren't really close enough to our our opposite men to to put them under any pressure, and they, they made us run um, from being, you know, uh, analytical about the first half. They they played a very good first half and should have uh, should have probably gotten a goal out of it. Um, but in the second half, we made some adjustments. I thought when we made the changes, we we began to do things a little more, uh, a little quicker, with a little more energy. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but they stopped trying to play out the back. Uh, they decided to go more more direct. And um, I, I thought that was a direct uh, related to, to the way we, we began to press them. Um, you know, uh, we, we forced some corners, we, we forced some opportunities, probably not clear enough, but uh, at the end of the day, we, we, we gave up the goal and uh, it, it was disappointing. It has been a disappointing run for Halifax. When you go back to the end of May, uh, the way that the results have gone is lost, win, lost, win, lost, win. Loss, loss. Uh, so it's been a bit of a difficult run for them. The wins have been high points, but there have been too many low points in their five losses in their last eight yeah. games. Uh, let's bring on Alex Rusik, who is our guy for the top of the table clash this week in Ottawa. Uh, Alex, good to see you. Good morning out west. Uh, let's get the highlights in and overall your thoughts on what was a very good game and a very big time defensive battle. And I suppose, as Charlie said off the top, not one we should be surprised in as Atletico Ottawa and Calvary tie 1 1 in this one. Oh, that was a, a great game, I think, really, uh, between two top teams, two teams in great form. Uh, I think that this is, you know, the sort of top of the table clash that you wanted to see. It was very high quality. I think, uh, understandably so, some of the neutrals might see the lack of goals and think, oh, it was a boring game. But far from it. I think it was just two uh, high quality teams. Both coaches actually uh, described it as more of a kind of chess match, kind of a, you know, a tactical it's a game where you have to really earn your moments. And this was exactly that. I mean, this goal, first of all, from Jose Escalante is a perfect example of, of earning your moments, the way he stepped up to that free kick and curled it around the wall. Uh, he's in great form right now for Cavalry. Uh, but then Ottawa as well had their moments of, of quality. Honestly, could have had a few goals. I'm sure Cavalry, there's a few chances where, where they could have, you know, done better. And I think overall, that was just the, the kind of good game you want from, from two high quality teams. I think good games are like that. It's as fun as Cavalry Pacific was last week. That's not going to happen uh, every week. This is more of a precursor of what a playoff game will be like. And I think it was good for Ottawa to be in a game like this. And I think it was good for Cavalry to add another game like this to their resume. Yeah, this was, this was a fun uh, kind of tactical one, as you mentioned, Alex, you know, like, Two top teams, two very flexible and, and well-organized teams, I think, especially Ottawa. You know, it's the way that they're able to to defend and and you know try try at least to to keep some of those that cavalry directness at bay. But you mentioned how cavalry kind of adapted in this game to the way that Ottawa wanted to play the game, Alex. Like I think that's something that Tommy Wielden spoke about after how you know he thinks that his side can can respond to what the opposition gives them uh what did you see from from cavalry and maybe how they sort of had to adjust to to what auto was playing because they were a little bit more direct than usual right yeah i mean that's the fun thing i guess with watching cavalry every week you you watch them they look like a different team i mean this week uh knowing how Ottawa wants to hold the ball and, and kind of 
you know, play in possession. Calvary held the ball and played in possession, forced Ottawa to, to sit back and have to play long and direct, which isn't what we're used to seeing from, from Ottawa. It's far from their principles. But Calvary wanted to, to kind of go into Ottawa's building and make them uncomfortable and starve them of the ball, knowing that, you know, it isn't something they're, they're used to playing. And I think it's just it's great for Tommy Wilden Jr. that he's able, you know, each week to, to, to play a different way. He can sit deep and counter. He can play with a high line and, and try and break teams down. He can win the midfield battle. I think it's fitting of his players. You look at guys like Jose Escalante, the way he's been bouncing or all over the field. He can fill, uh, you know, multitude of roles. Uh, all these, you know, all these players really from in, in Cavalry's midfield, Elliot Simmons, you know, Ali Musi playing as a false nine instead of his usual wing spot. You just kind of look throughout the roster. They have such flexibility, and it's really been used to, uh, been put to good use how they've been, you know, every team they play, they played that game. It was kind of funny. Most coaches I ask, I'm like, are you adjusting to the game? They're like, oh, no, we're just focusing on ourselves. Tommy's like, no, we focus on the other team exclusively every week. We try to mimic them. We try to frustrate them, and it works. I mean, 10 games undefeated shows that they've been doing a great job of it, and it's full credit to, to their depth, their flexibility, their coaching, uh, et cetera. Club record, 10 games um, undefeated now. Uh, and that's some some record for them, by the way. They've had a great run since the birth of that football club in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, let's head back to Ottawa. Reaction from Cavalry. Here's the head coach, Tommy Wilton Jr. I think it's mentality. Um, we play what the opposition gives us. And at times today, I thought, you know, we could have controlled the chaos a little bit better. Um, but we take these as learning moments because we've got another two games to play against Ottawa. We've yet to hit the halfway mark. We do so on Thursday. Um, but what I really like about our team is the, the fact that we can change to what opposition is. And uh, today we played with a bit of a false nine. You know, there's no Joe Mason, no Maya Bevan, no Arab and Pepo. And we still had some moments where we got into those half spaces and were able to overload them. And I thought Jose Escalante was fantastic today. He gave Acosta a, 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 a tough challenge. Um, but yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick the bones out of it when I look back on the video. He says they're almost at the halfway point. This is mid-season report card season this week for us at the Canadian Premier League. So look out for that as we start to give our grades on mid-season report cards for all eight clubs coming up this week, starting with Atletico Ottawa and Cavalry later today on Monday. Uh, with more reaction, go back to the Cavalry camp. Here's their player, Ben Fisk. I think um, we kind of played into their game plan a little bit in uh, um, the transitional part of the game. I think that's where, where they're excellent. Um, Guys like Ollie Bassett uh, like playing those passes early into the space behind, and then you got you know Malcolm Shaw and Morgrega, uh, Balu Tabla that that are running onto those passes, right? So um, I thought we could have controlled that side of the game a little bit better, um, but you know it was uh, spirited. Um, two teams wanted to be top of the table and and win the league, right? That's uh, that's what we want. That's uh, like I said before, great advertisement for the league tonight. Exactly what you said, Alex. Great advertisement for the league. Lots of Ottawa fans in the chat giving the love. Let's talk about them a little bit here, Alex. Like Back to back, they played twice now against Cavalry, unbeaten. Played twice against Forge now, unbeaten. They've been showing they can stand up with the big boys. I suppose they need to play a few more Canadian under 21 minutes. That might be an important yeah. part of their second half because they're way behind on that. That's something to keep an eye on. But when their best 11 is on the pitch... Uh, this is more than just a playoff contender. This is a championship contender team, the way that they're defending, is it not? Yeah, and I mean, you have to, to, to like the way that they, they like these massive uh, games. I'm sure that's uh, something that the, the club prides itself in. They, they love to, to, to be out there against the best. And the fact that they've gone, I think it's a way to forge twice, right, and gotten points off of forge. Right. And now they've welcomed yeah. Calvary to their building twice and have taken care of business. 
uh, when they have, yeah, they're, when they're back four in particular. I think that's the, the biggest area of their game. And that's kind of something, I guess, as a hint for my report card. I mean, I'm very high on the back four. Does still feel like the attack could have a lot more work to, you know, to do in terms of the talent there versus the output we've seen. But when their back four is out there, when it's Espejo, you know, Drew Becky, Miguel Acosta, Maxime Tissot, they're just so organized and they're, they're disciplined. I love the way. Uh, you know, Acosta tucks in and makes it a back three in possession, and then Tiso just flies forward, and Blue Tabla covers and tucks in on the right. But you know, when they settle di- down into that back four, it's so hard to get chances off them. I think Calvary, you know, only had zero point six expected goals, which you know, for Calvary, that's not a, a typical night at the office for them. Usually, they're a team that can generate chances. Uh, by the bucket full. So Ottawa, full credit. I mean, also Abdul Suzoko in the number six, I think has been a very underrated move. I think Ali Bassett, Bassett at the six earlier in the year is great for controlling tempo, but by putting in Suzoko as the six, you allow Bassett a free roll and you, you get a little more defensive solidity. So credit to Ottawa. I think they have the defensive spine of a playoff team. I think I'm seeing early signs that remind me of kind of what Pacific were doing last year when they were so solid defensively. Mm-hmm. I think if they can just figure out a way to get, you know, one of Morega uh, you know, Malcolm Shaw, Brian Wright going, you know, properly going uh, up front and, you know, continuing to use Bassett and get ta- continue to use Tabla. I think they can be a team that, that can do damage in the playoffs because they play such a playoff style game. I mean, if you remove the the six, uh, the six nil game, I guess, from the equation, pretty much all of their games are one nil, two one games. And those are the kinds of games that you look at the playoffs uh, historically are the games you need to play, especially if you're likely going to play Forge, uh, you know, Pacific Cavalry in the playoffs. Yeah, re- removing that 6-1 game against Valor, the goals per game in all Ottawa games this season, 1.7. Uh, so that shows you everything. And very often, Ottawa are on the right end of that. So um, uh, we know what Carlos Gonzalez has brought. Uh, just watch Atletico Madrid a lot. Uh, this is what they're kind of doing right now in the nation's capital. Uh, more on the Spanish boss. Uh, let's go back to TD Place on Saturday and reaction from Atletico Ottawa. We played against a great team with great defenders, with a great structure, with with players that are playing uh, with experience, big experience in the in the CPL, and and they've played together for many years. And and the reality is that that our players, the, mainly the squad, is is a new squad. So so we are creating bonds that that they already have from from years ago. So I think that um, you know um, we created more than them. Um, and I think that we did, uh, in details, a better game than them. Uh, I felt that they were not com- comfortable, only in the first half, in some some moments, in the first 15, 20 minutes. But uh, I think that we did a great job today. It's a pity that, that we don't have the three points. But the reality is that we are there with the same points as them. And, and half of the season already is, we've passed. So I think we have to be happy with, with the work that the, the team is doing. As ever, you can read AGR on campio.ca and, of course, as usual, on One Soccer. We thank One Soccer for the coverage here and the highlights as well on the show. AGR, thanks again, my friend. Chat soon. All right, chat soon, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again, Alex. Uh, let's bring in Mitchell Tierney now, who was our correspondent at York Lions Stadium on Friday night. Mitch and I were there. And unfortunately, Mitch, for the home team, uh, different date, different game, familiar story, no, as they go down 2-0 to Forge. Yeah, absolutely. A familiar story for York, who, again, weren't bad on the day. That's the theme of the season. They weren't bad. They created chances, enough chances probably to get a result in this match. But 
not enough finishing once again from them and um, frustrations after the match and frustrations late in the match, which was a little disappointing as well, I thought, because um, as we see Borges scoring here, you know, a, a tough one on the on the debut for Tas Mordekudis to uh, concede an own goal, even if he was very solid. Um, but, you know, they show that fight late in the match where, where things aren't really going their way. And obviously frustrations boil over at that point, but you almost wish they showed that earlier because that was almost the blueprint to getting a result against forge earlier in the season was Great how point. much they were able to frustrate them, mm -hmm. how much they were able to get under their skin. I remember talking to Tristan Henry after that match, you could just see the annoyance written on his face with, you know, how much York were chatting at them, getting under their skin. So the, the fact that they, that that was in the final 15 and not the first 15, I think just kind of shows where things are. And uh, yeah, it's, it was another disappointing night for the hosts at York Lions stadium. Yeah. It's, it's unsurprising that there's a lot of frustration in that York locker room at the moment, because again, as, as you kind of mentioned, Mitchell, they, they haven't been playing that badly in a lot of these games where the results are just not going their way. But yeah, again, the frustration is well over. I think they've got two suspensions now for the next game with Jordan Wilson and Mateo Hernandez picking up yellow cards at the end there. Uh, but Mitchell, do you think that is what the problem is? That it's just not the 90-minute the effort, the fight for like from the beginning of the game that's not there? Or is there something something just not quite clicking for this team at the moment? Um, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're going in circles with them as, as I think yeah. they do as well at the moment, just the same conversation where we're trying to figure out exactly, um, what's up with York United. I mean, the goals are the obvious one. I, I know Jordan Wilson was even saying after the match, you know, if they'd scored even one in that match, it would have felt so much better just, just yeah. to get something, um, going forward. But yeah, I think I think at the moment they just look out of ideas. Like they keep trying so many different things offensively, it just doesn't go for them. And then um, now they're starting to in those moments where where they're trying to get a little bit further forward and, and get more offensive, they're they're getting caught. And um, it's it's to be expected um, when you're trying to to push for those goals, um, especially when you know they've started to concede early a little bit more now than than they did earlier in the season. Which again that will that will open you up, but. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of things that they've got to work on and, and a lot to, to be done over the next, you know, few weeks, nine games without a win in those games, they scored once mm -hmm. one goal in nine games. They haven't won a game for two months. Um, Lissandro Cabrera, I hate to pick on him, but he's, he's played some, he's picked up score goals. Uh, he missed an absolute sitter in the first half, mm -hmm. 529 minutes now without a goal, no goals in nine games. Um, they are. It is a familiar story, but as Mitchell and I will tell you, we were in the press conference. What wasn't familiar was the tone. It was a very different tone coming from the coach and player in that press conference. So let's hear from them a little bit. Listen to this. Uh, let's go back to York Line Stadium on Friday night. Here's Martin Nash. It wasn't good enough in the end. Again, you know, it's um, we can create all the chances we want, but if we can't put the ball in that, um, you're not going to win games. And so it was a, you know, I, I asked people to step up. Because I think uh, as a group now, we, we do enough in a lot of games to win, I feel. Uh, we get some great great opportunities, great chances. We've had a bunch of no-no games this year that we should have won, in my opinion, personally. Um, but uh, enough's enough. We gotta we have guys step up, take the gate, the, you know, bull by the horn, so to speak, and um, put chances away. And it's not just that, just all over the pitch. I think we're, we, we're a bit quiet. Um, I think we train harder than we play at times because... Um, we got four coaches out there demanding in training constantly. It's a bit hard when you, you know, maybe we have to put four coaches around the field and demands from them all game long.
really, really interesting, guys. No, I mean, a, a lot of things to digest on that small clip that we haven't heard from Martin before. And I think that's just frustration. And and I think a little bit of like putting the onus on the players now. And the players will want that, no? But I think that he's protected them long enough. Charlie, you've been involved in almost every press conference and seen these teams so much live. That's that, as somebody who wasn't there, but listening to that, that's different, no? Different message. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you were to, to boil that down to just kind of one thing he said there, he said enough's enough. And he's absolutely right. You know, at, at the end of the day, we can continue talking about how the performances are good or they've been defending well and they're and the, the balls just aren't going in. But at the end of the day, one of the players on the pitch just has to put a ball in the net. It just it just has to be that way, right? And you've got players that are, they, they've been trying different players and positions. They've been really throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But at the end of the day, that. It's just somebody has to step up and, and say, you know what, lads, we are going to win today and really just, just put it over the edge. I know that there's new players coming in. It, Ronan Kratt made that debut in this game. It'll probably take him some time to to get acclimatized to the league. But at the end of the day, there are talented players in that squad and on that pitch. So it's, it's you know, as, as Martin Nash said, it's just not good enough at the moment. Yeah, not yeah. good enough. Sorry, go ahead, Mitch. Well, I was going to say, like, for, for a while, you could almost explain it away as, yeah, like Charlie said, they're defending well, um, they're creating these moments, but now it's almost become part of their club identity that they can't score goals. And the second that yeah. starts to become the case, like Martin Nash said, you know, enough has to be enough and they have to figure this out or it's going to be a long, long season, uh, second half of the season for York. And how to figure that out, Mitchell, you put that question to Jordan Wilson, who I thought was very good in standing up to what he needed to talk about in the post-match press conference. Let's hear from him after this one. I don't want to make excuses, but I think uh, Richie's healthy. If Mike Prochasso's healthy, we have a bit of fluidity with our squad. We have some attacking players who like to express themselves. I feel like the the players that we would really need to maybe get things going are out, out at the moment. And the players coming in, maybe whether it be foreigners, even young players, it's just hard. It's hard to try to get them week in, week out to compete and be a threat. So. We need to get over that hump, but I feel like that hump has lasted for like two months now. I thought today was going to be the day where maybe we score, we beat Forge at home, and we can build off of that. But again, we, we kind of were flat on the, on the offensive end. So I'd say a bit of us not being used to each other, or familiar with each other, but also having big players injured. I think with a 22-man roster or squad, you, you can't afford to have two, three of your, I would say, star players out. And, and that's our situation right now. Results when they score first this season, York, two wins, one draw, no losses. Very different story when they get that first goal. Defensively, they can certainly put them away. Um, just a behind-the-curtains look for everybody who's listening and watching. Friday night was a very difficult night for that team. They were all very, very low. I did hear on Saturday the team got together and they, and they surprised Jordan Wilson and his partner with a baby shower in the back garden. Apparently, they had a bit of a nice day off together. So at least there's something there that they can build on going forward. Um, let's turn our attention to Forge. And Mitchell was very good in his praise of them and their tactical changes that they need to do. But before we get to what Mitchell thought of them, uh, here's their head coach, Bobby Sminios. First and foremost, I thought our first half was was very good. Um, you know, we've seen a tendency as of late with teams sitting a little bit deeper uh, on us, so we wanted to try and uh, and find the space in behind the, the opponent a little bit quicker, and, and maybe that was either going to open up that space behind or the second ball coming into midfield, uh, which would give us uh, 
maybe an easier way to to attack. And I think we accomplished that in a lot of uh, situations in the in the first half. And those second balls also gave us the opportunity for some of those longer shots. Um, which one? It's uh, it either works to get you a goal or it works to pull the defenders out of uh, out of position, out of a static position. And uh, that always creates a space. You know, the biggest thing for us is if when you move on the ball and uh, you can initiate defender, the ball must go where that defender is left. And uh, today, I think uh, we had them uh, moving a little bit. Um, we used the, the right side of, uh, of the field for us a little bit differently today. Um, just looking at the, what their combination was there in the first half with, uh, with Ferrari and, uh, and Kratt. And I think that gave us a lot of success. Started the second half, uh, you know, quite well. Um, and then I think we had a little bit of a down period where if we were a little bit better in some of the transition moments, which we knew were, were important in the game today, I thought uh, we could have had a few more goals uh, earlier in the game. Mitchell, when Forge were at their best, they were really good in wide areas. That's where both goals came from. And as Bobby alluded to, they showed some changes there as well, putting Borges at one point to have a go at Max Ferrari. Max Ferrari did a decent job, but not a familiar left back. And you covered that in your analysis, just the, the ability that what Bobby talked about there to be tactical and uh, diversity from, it, from, from that team. Absolutely. I think uh, Bobby was talking in the pre-match press conference. Someone asked him, you know, what formation they're going to deploy against York. And he said, It'll probably start as a 4-3-3, and then after that, anyone's guess. And that's kind of the way that Forge are. They have so many players that can play multiple positions that can shift in and around. And again, they they get that lineup. They see, okay, we've got a young player who's playing left back, who's not usually a left back. We have another young player coming in, making his debut um, on the same side. That's an area we can exploit. And, you know, very quickly, they keep getting the ball to Rezart Rama on that side, um, an incredibly talented player who helps create that first goal. And, you know, they really did exploit that. I think 58% of their attacks come down that right-hand side uh, against those two left-sided York players. So th that's what Forge have in, in their lockers, that tactical flexibility where, you know, again, in, in a split notice, they can see what the other club's doing and quickly change that. And that is on Smyrniotis and how great of a coach he is, but also on the players he has and how quickly they can shift their mentality. I think it, it just kind of shows how Forge are operating on a different level to York at the moment. Like this, the way that they're able to adapt to circumstances, to change what they do in games, to find ways to win and find ways to score is something that just York don't have at the moment. And I think that's really at, at the core of it, what separates them. Mitchell, as you mentioned, Rizart Rama, amazing in this game. I think that his first few games with this team, he seemed a lot more like a kind of traditional defensive fullback. But in this game where there are opportunities to get up the pitch, he spots that and he shows that he can attack a little bit, right? Which is impressive. Just, uh, I, I think for me, just what's so impressive about this Forge team is their ability to just not not really be shaken too much by by circumstances or situations. You know, Mitchell, you also mentioned your analysis the triple sub that they make there in the second half. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to you want to elaborate more on why that was so impactful in this game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was partially surprising. Like you see, Kyle's Be Kyle Becker's number go up in a match where they've got eleven days off after this. Um, so so it certainly wasn't like Kyle Becker probably needed rest. Um, yeah. You know, he's a player where you're only up by one in a game where York are in, in some ways all over them at that point. I think they had three good chances right before they make this sub. So. Um, you're kind of surprised by it, but Noah Jensen comes in and, and replaces Kyle Becker and does a solid job shoring up the midfield. And uh, of course, Wubens Pasias comes in and scores immediately. So um, it was, again, a, a great night where Bobby Smirniotis showed how good of a coach he was and uh, a move that paid off very well for Forge. Yeah, I mean, for me, Forge still at their best, they're the best midfield in the league. 
And and Sissoko, we gave Sissoko over Ottawa love. Let's give Sissoko a forge love. It was class again, by the way. Yeah. And last year they had my guy Cissé in there, and you guys know this. I give him love every every show. Uh, it's time <laughs> to start giving that midfield just as much love because what Sissoko has brought to that team is the same kind of impact that you're almost getting from Cissé. Becker, I thought, was really, really good in the game. And I think his substitution speaks more volumes about what they think of Noah Jensen because every time he comes on, he delivers and he doesn't take long to get involved in the game. And a shout-out, by the way, for, for Benitez. Uh, this kid comes in, and he was just terrific. Changed the game. 2-4, played on the left-hand side. Um, I know he was a defector from Cuba, and he's not as, as young as some people think he is. But if he can get some more minutes for Forge as well, he is another difference maker. So you can go on and on and on. We've given a lot of love for the team. But all in all, they looked like they were very good. And we knew coming in that they were a little bit wounded. They didn't play bad. But they had lost two games on the bounce. They've never still to this day lost three games on the bounce. And in the end, York were the ones yeah. who suffered. Uh, good work on Friday night, my man Mitchell. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for your, your work. And you can read it, of course, at campl.ca. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mitchell Tierney. Let's bring in Benedict Rhodes now, who was our guy on He Got Another Thriller. Uh, this guy just gets all the best games every week, Charlie. Uh, Benedict's a five-goal thriller in Edmonton, and uh, it didn't disappoint. No, the champs get the victory, the first one ending in seven-game winless run. Um, but as usual, we saw a little bit of fragility from James Merriman's men at the moment. Yeah, you said uh, this is a game that was very important to both teams. I think, you know, Edmonton wanting to continue their good momentum, especially at home, another another better crowd to continue to improve. And uh, Pacific, like you said, there, there was eight games unbeaten in all competitions, seven in the league, and uh, they're, they're desperate for a win. Like James Merriman every week says, we're training well, we're doing the right things, but we're just not winning the games. And and they needed to just finally win a game, and they got off to a, a big 3-0 lead in this game. A nice goal there from, from Josh Hurd, as you saw after watching the podcast. And um, it was just a, a, a game that they needed to win, but then it got interesting at the end. Uh, Edmonton will go into every game this season trying harder than their opposition, I think. And uh, the last 10 minutes, you know, they, they pulled a couple goals back and, and very nearly got a third as well. This is a very interesting one. I think it's it's definitely a game that Pacific will have felt, at least internally, that it was one that they had to win. To, to kind of right the ship and keep themselves where they need to, where they want to be in the standings. But it, it's kind of an interesting look for them, right? It's, it's a bit of a different formation. They kind of attacked with a four rather than the usual three, which maybe I kind of like, especially when you're playing against a back five like Edmonton did in this game. Um, and it obviously worked for them, especially early on with, with the three goals that they managed to score. But uh, it's not, not the first time this season, I think, uh, and I think they'll admit this, it's not the first time that they've kind of let a team back into the game and they, they haven't quite seen it out as comfortably as they would have wanted to, right, Benedict? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think, uh, you know, I think there, there's the giveaway on, on the goal um, for, for Edmonton's first goal for Gabriel Bertar, and I think maybe there's a little bit deflating. It was kind of like from, from such a high of being up 3-0 to, oh, no, there's 10 minutes left, and, and now it's 3-1, I kind of think. And I think the two-goal lead is the worst lead in sports, as people say, and um, and our three-goal lead, I guess, in this case. Um, and yeah, I, think, I think it was just a, a little bit of nerves, maybe, and, and uh, a little bit of maybe thinking, oh, maybe, maybe here we go again, almost, uh, with, with this team. And, and they, did, they did see it through in the end, uh, but there was definitely a, a shaky last eight or nine minutes after, after Mohamed Kamara made it 3-2. It was shaky and um, overall very entertaining. With thoughts on this, let's go back there. Here's the head coach, James Merriman. I think the way that we're attacking and creating chances and we look we look very dangerous again we look like we're going to score goals um, and we, we lack that a little bit you know for a while so I think we've we've made big strides in that and our attacking players are very hungry they're very motivated all of them they're competing um, 
and they're they're getting chances, they're creating chances, and they're scoring goals. You know, two goals in a row for Daniels, so I'm happy for him. Um, he's he's trained really well. He's got a great energy, and he's getting rewarded for the work that he's putting in. So happy for him. We'll get to some player reaction. We're going to get Josh Hurd on the show in a couple of minutes. Before we get Josh on, let's just touch on Edmonton quickly. Benedict, you wrote about their team. They're in every game at the moment, and they've found some stability. No, Alan Koch seemingly found a core group of players that he knows he can trust. Yeah, definitely. There's no Tobias Wojcicki for this game. He's He's been kind of in and out of the team a little bit, but uh, he seems to have found a best 11, an unchanged 11 from the 3-0 win over York uh, last week. So uh, I think he's he said this on, on One Soccer, I believe, Christian, that uh, they've kind of found a group that they trust and. This is kind of their core guys and, and their sort of relief guys, I guess. And and uh, this this best eleven that they have at the moment, you know, without Warshevsky, of course, uh, is kind of a, a team that they know is consistent. They know they're going to be at least competing in every game. Uh, and, and there's some players I think that are Alan Kosh likes to say wouldn't have been playing professional soccer this year without them. Um, but now they've you know maybe established themselves as CCPO players who, who deserve a contract for next season even. Yeah, Gabby Vittar certainly one of those goals in three straight games now and a nice finish from Kamara, back-to-back <laughs> goals from him as well. What a great little chip and lob that was. Uh, hey, let's go back to Clark Stadium. Here's the thoughts of FC Edmonton head coach, Alan Cobb. I was pissed off at all time, to be brutally honest. Uh, we didn't do what we needed to do. We, we tried to make a, a minor adjustment 10 minutes into the game uh, and we solved all the problems. Uh, and we didn't execute it, uh, unfortunately. Um, so we needed to bring in some new players, some new blood. Uh, guys that would come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I thought the guys that came on uh, did a good job in the second half. Uh, the hard part, though, and this is what frustrates me in this game, is you dig yourself in a hole, um, obviously you have a choice then. Are you going to collapse and give up? That's not who we are. That's not part of our DNA. Um, so the players respond in a positive way, um, but you should never put yourself in that hole in the first place. Another game where they're in it, though. It has to be said, Edmonton in every game at the moment over the last few weeks, and has certainly improved a lot on that. Uh, Benedict, great work, my friend. Campio.ca for all the analysis, and we'll get you back on at the end of the show to touch on a couple of other things. Uh, thanks to Benedict. Uh, now let's go live to uh, Victoria and bring in Josh Hurd. Uh, hey, Hello, Josh, guys. great to see Hello. you. Thanks for spending some time. I know you're minutes away from going on the training pitch, so uh, we don't yeah. want to cost you your position in the team next week, so we'll get you on the, <laughs> we'll get you out there shortly, but uh, thanks for joining us, and then imagine a Monday morning that feels a lot better after a win. Uh, it always does. Uh, first day back is always nice after a win, isn't it? Especially a long travel day coming back, so yeah, it's nice. It's, uh, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit bittersweet because the game didn't end how we wanted it to, but at the end of the day, it is a result, so. Yeah, you still obviously come out of it with the, the three points. And I think you, you guys were probably, you really wanted from that game, right? It seemed quite important to you guys to, yeah. to kind of turn things around after some tough results, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's no secret that, you know, we've had a few results that haven't gone our way. So it's good just to get these get a good result here on the road and uh, hopefully we can string together a couple of good performances. I mean, I thought we were good last week against Calgary. And uh, it, was, it was just a good game. It was one of those ones. But I think we're on the way to uh, building better performances. Josh, what was halftime like in that game? Obviously, coming into it, I know you'd had a lot of pressure on you. Obviously, we talked about the seven games without a win, but you score yeah. right before halftime. I'd imagine that you guys were on the ceiling at that point with confidence. No flying at 2-0? Yeah, we are. But again, like the, there has been this theme where we haven't been able to finish games out. And I think we came in a little bit hectic because we're like, okay, we're feeling good. We're feeling good. And it, and it took James a few voices just to calm us down a little bit because in these moments, we, we have been known to kind of let teams back into the game. So we, we were conscious of it, but it's just one of those ones that's football. 
Yeah, I think, Christian, you mentioned confidence there. Josh, I think the confidence is something that you guys as attacking players have a lot of for the yeah. most part. But, um, you know, in, in especially the last couple of games, you've still been scoring goals and things like that, even if, if the results weren't going your way. Just how have you guys been able to try and, kind of, you know, keep that confidence up? Whoever's coming in and out of the yeah. squad, that's important, right? I think I think it's keeping a positivity. I mean, um, and we have a group of guys that can plot in and out, and we're very dynamic going forward. And you can see we, we that's six goals in two games now. So, uh, in my opinion, that's one of the hardest things to do in, in football is to score goals, and and we do have that. So that's good. And and as long as we can tighten up as a whole unit defensively, especially late in games to close games out, I uh, I think I think we'll be fine. But I think this is this is a good start. Um, to move forward and get past this little slump that we're in. Josh, let's get a peek behind the curtain a little bit. It seems like there's been not been too much panic, but you tell me. I was there that game. You guys um, get beat at home to Halifax 3-0. Oh, take... Why are you bringing that one up, KJ? <laughs> because, because I think it could be a reference point for turning your season around, to be honest. Yep. You, yep. you get pulled off with Diaz after an hour. That's a big decision by James. Bustos yep. gets pulled off. He hasn't started the next two games. Other players like Daniels and DeSantos have had chances, and they've certainly responded, yep. and they were very good on the weekend. Um, but at that moment, that training session the next day after Halifax, was it a, a sense of not too much panic? And did you find out a little bit more about your squad and your new gaffer? For sure, 100%. I think um, when we lose like that at home, it, it, sets some, it raises some alarms. And we all have to look at ourselves and we have to be accountable in those situations. And what can we do all do to, to, to be, become better? And I think, that was a, I think that was a turning point. The next day, we, we sat in and we, and we watched the whole game back as a team. And, and, and we're accountable and, and we're honest with each other. And, and, and kudos to the staff. They, they've been great about it. And kudos to the guys that have stepped up as well. Like you say, Dos Santos and DJ, um, they, they've been great. They've been doing it all year. And it's great to actually see them out there and it's translating into the game. So I, I couldn't be happy for the guys. And uh, I just hope we keep going. That's the plan. The fact that we're starting to see guys like like Dos Santos and, and Daniel step up as well, it's it's good for all of you guys' attackers, right? To have more uh, yeah. kind of competition for for places because I think earlier in the season it seemed like it was it was you and Diaz and Marco every game yeah. as a front three, but that competition is good, right? Oh yeah, it put, you need it to be a good team. You need competition in all spots, and uh, we push each other. And as long as it's positive, and as long as like it doesn't matter, I have his back, he has my back at the end of the day. We all just want to win. But uh, having that competition is, is, is essential for, for a good team. And, and we have it. And we've got competitive guys going forward. So it's good. Our guest is the attacker from one of the from the champs, Josh Hurd. Uh, let's take you in the take us in the mind of an attacking player, Josh, and give us the truth. So the first goal, Sean Young scores. Are you telling yeah. yourself you should have scored that? And then is that like <laughs> are you burning with desire to get another chance? Because I know the ball came over on your foot there. Yeah, I, I watched it back and I, and the ball comes in. And uh, I put it back across, and I watched the back. I was like, why didn't I just put it on goal there? What was I thinking there? <laughs> um, but, yeah, maybe my technique let me down a little bit there. But it, it ended up – I, I want to give it to Sean. That, that's what I'll say. Yeah. I, and, I did it on purpose. I wanted Sean to get his first of the year. So Okay. And it, and it worked out because <laughs> you gave you a bit more – it, it gave you – know, minutes later, you, you, you've got one in the back of the net yourself anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it, similar kind of ball to that back post. It, it popped up nicely for me. Gianni, Gianni played a, a great ball in, so – it sat up perfect, but no, I'm buzzing for those guys, especially Sean too. He his first, but that's a player right there. And once he gets going, there's no stopping him. Yeah, it was an interesting one because I, Josh, you're obviously lining up on the right in that game, but I feel like you yeah. played a lot of games kind of on the yeah. left. So 
just yeah. how how much have you guys kind of talked about that sort of versatility and being able to play these different positions? Because it was a bit of a different formation for yeah. you guys as well. Yeah, it was. Um, like I said, we, we were in, we've been in a little bit of a slump and we felt like we needed a bit of a change. And uh, and I spoke to James about it. I feel versatile across that whole front three. I feel like I can kind of play anywhere. And it's good to be able to, as a team, to be able to um, line up in many different ways too. So. Um, we do have that, and, and we've got a few more. Maybe we, we have a few more positions, a few more formations to, to try out as we go forward. One of the best attackers in the Canadian Premier League. Even asked to play left back a couple of games, uh, a few games ago. <laughs> maybe, maybe not there, though. I don't know. I <laughs> we won't do that. <laughs> don't, we won't do I, that again. But let, let me have a bit more training there, and then we'll see. But. There you go. Right. The, the, the true team player. Uh, listen, Josh, appreciate this. I know you got to get back to training, but uh, I'm sure it'll be full of spirits after a win. So say hi to the teammates for us. Keep up the good work and good that. luck this week. Thanks, KJ. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Having you coming on for us. That's Josh Hurd of Pacific. Um, who, you know, it's a big win for them, Charlie, ultimately. Yeah. You know, they, they, as we said in the one soccer shooters, we did the game, and Ollie Platt put it well. It wasn't ideal. They're nowhere near back to their best. But a win's a win, and they just got to do it. Sometimes that's what it takes when you're having a bit of a slide. Things aren't going your way. You just need an ugly one, or, or a, a, this wasn't necessarily an ugly win, but sometimes you just need a close one or a scrappy one to turn things around and, and you know, get yourselves back on that track uh, as as they certainly needed to come. And obviously, yeah, last last weekend when they played Cavalry, uh, we saw more signs of them returning to themselves. Scoring three goals is always good. After I think they went three games without a goal which is very unusual yeah. for this team. Uh, so that was a good sign. And then again, to go into Edmonton, a very tough place to play for anybody and to to get that result, no matter how it kind of turned out, that was important because uh, they need to not only keep pace with the team at the top, but they also, now that we're in July, they'll be thinking about, they want to get some form going before they head to Jamaica at the end of this month for the CONCACAF right. League. CONCACAF League coming up, I believe, on the 26th of July. Um, yeah. They'll be at Sabina Park in Jamaica to play Waterhouse. Uh, with, with more reaction on this, uh, Josh Hurd talks about him, so let's play the clip. Uh, a good midfielder who they know they're very, very high on at Pacific. Uh, let's go back with the goal scorer. Here's Sean Young. I don't know if I look at it like that. I think I, just every time I, I step into the field, whether it's starting or sub, I... I try to do my best, and you know, like you said, with missing midfielders, uh, people people have to step up, and all our all our midfielders have to be ready. So for me, it's just you know, for everyone, it's just every time you're on the pitch, whether you're coming on the 85th minute or you're you know coming on at 30 minutes or starting the game, you just need to give 100% and try to try to basically prove that you deserve to start. So then, because the competition with, uh, with with each other creates creates a you know a winning culture. Pacific head back to Ontario this week as they travel to a uh, right. very difficult wounded York United on Friday night as well. So that'll be a big game for them. As usual, all games live on One Soccer and Analysis, match reports, previews, and much more on canpl.ca. We'll show you some standings and schedules shortly, but let's bring Benedict back in. Double duty today, correspondent and producer <laughs> extraordinaire. Uh, Benedict, great to see you again. And you've got the Sinclair jersey behind you because I know you've been very busy with the Canadian women's national team on as well. Uh, people listening to this later, that's why we kind of pushed it to the show later, because there is a game tonight again. And is it a case now if Canada have got some of the job done, but now it's time to step up the performances? I think that's a fair way of saying it. Yeah, like, I mean, job, job number one was qualify for the World Cup. We've done that. Um, now now the next step is, is qualifying for the Olympics. And, and to do that, they have to win this whole tournament. Um, if not, they have, it's going to be second versus third place to uh, decide the second spot to go to Paris. And uh, at the moment, Canada... 
look like a, a solid team, but I think they, they could suddenly be playing a lot better. I think uh, there's a lot of times in, in, in these first two games of the tournament where they've maybe been creating chances but not finishing them or, or against Panama, for example, they were controlling a lot of the ball, but they weren't really doing anything with it. And I think that's when they need to, to change going to this next game against Costa Rica tonight, which uh, if you're listening on Mondays tonight, um, and uh, the, the winner of this game wins Group B and, and probably avoids the United States in the semifinal. So tonight's game is absolutely crucial. Yeah, big one. Yeah, it's massive. Put keep Julia Grosso in the eleven. By the way, um, yes, please. It's yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Obviously, you have to win your group. I think if you want to avoid the U.S. and and make sure that you get that that Olympic qualifying spot. But it's interestingly it doesn't look like it's going to be Mexico in that semifinal, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, one of the bigger stories of this tournament, if it's Shocker. likely Haiti or Jamaica uh, in that, that semifinal, which is a, a crazy one considering how well how how well Mexico has progressed in the last couple of years. You know, they, they beat Canada, I think, in December. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's still a work in progress, right, for Canada, Ben? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so far that there's not too much to complain about because they still have got the results. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain too much about a 6-0 win and a 1-0 win, no matter no matter who they're against and how much expected to win by. But um, like you mentioned Julia Grosso. She's currently leading the Golden Boot race, which I don't think anyone expected. Um, but her first three goals for for her country, <laughs> not including the penalty from, from last year, of course. And uh, yeah, she's been immense. Uh, I'm going to do a, a story about that in the coming days. And um, yeah, that, that midfield of, of her with, with Quinn and, and Fleming, I think is what people want to see. So far, it's been Desiree Scott both games, but... Uh, if we can get that that three of of, of uh, Quinn Fleming and, and Grosso, I think a lot of Canada fans will be pretty excited. Yeah, well, let's hope they certainly can do that. I mean, I, I I've been a big fan of Grosso for a long time. You guys know that, and uh, I think Bev Priestman has been pretty patient, and I think she's been challenging her quite a lot internally that we haven't really seen or heard, and wanting her to be better. And I suppose when you're Olympic champions. Um, despite being the hero in the penalty shootout, if you're not an automatic starter, you've really got to work hard to get into that, right? You talk about Scott and, and you know Quinn. Like at the end of the day, like that's a tough midfield to get into, Benedict. And so, you know, for us to clamor for her to get in the team is easy for us to say that there's lots of other opportunities that 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 haven't really existed in the past, and this is what this championships have have, have allowed her to show. Yeah, I bet Bev Priestman has said a couple times now that you know she has the talent to be one of the best you know two-way players in the country offensively and defensively, right. but right. she doesn't always have the confidence to actually go out and do it and, and to go out and show it. And uh, she can sort of take that next step. And and as she's done in the first two games, of course, with the two goals, an incredible goal in her last game, and she can start showing these things more consistently. I think you know going in towards next year in the world, uh, the next year of the World Cup, uh, she can she can definitely play herself into that starting eleven if she hasn't already. Yeah, shout outs to Chris, Billy, Aaron, all the Ottawa massive fans in the chat who are all pumping up their team uh, and will be loving the next thing we talk about. So let's show the standings in the Canadian Premier League as we head into the weekend next week. And you can see just how close it is. And by the way, if you're the bottom three, I think you're starting to get a bit concerned, Charlie, uh, because that five are breaking away a little bit, particularly when you look at the games played by teams fourth and fifth, considering the teams below them. And also, form doesn't lie. And you can see right now that this five has certainly played better football lately than the bottom three, Charlie. Yes, absolutely. I think York are probably the most concerned team in the league at the moment because... Uh, that that even even just that six point gap to Halifax is not easy to make up right. with half a season left to play. Uh, but I, I think the other thing that the standings here show is how important it was for Pacific to get that win and to to keep pace because if they don't beat Edmonton, say they lose, they're on twenty points and they're level with Forge, uh, then they they too are gonna are continuing to have to fight to stay in that top four. So I think that was an important result for them too. 
So that, that Pacific York game on Friday is massive. Yeah, it's a big one. Another massive shout out for the word massive. Um, <laughs> massive. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, we have a, remi- a reminder, if you're a fan of any of these clubs, we have our mid-season report cards coming out this week on all eight clubs. Uh, Benedict, Mitchell, Charlie, myself, uh, Alex. Uh, we all give out our grades so far, a little bit of what we think so far their first half and what we think their second half outlooks will look like as well talking about looking into the future let's take a look at the games coming up this weekend as we've got a triple header for you this weekend as well uh starting on thursday that's right a unusual thursday night football uh in calgary as calgary host halifax and halifax's road one worries will have to turn around pretty quickly there friday night york against pacific and on sunday in the nation's capital ottawa against valor uh let's do some predictions a reminder uh, the, the Canadian Premier League predictor is still there for to be to be won, and uh, get out some scores. And get, if you get them right, you can win trips to the final. You can win lots of other trips, jerseys, and everything else. Uh, Benedict, just give me a score for Cavalry Halifax. What do you think? Any gonna, any kind of upset, or is it going to be eleven games unbeaten for Tommy Wildenstein? I think they're going to go eleven games unbeaten. I'm going to say two one. I think Halifax will go one. 2-1. Uh, York United Pacific. Uh, it's going to be hard to see York scoring in that one. I think most people were predicting an away win. Uh, so maybe we'll go with 2-1. I think York's got to get a goal at some point. And Charlie, what about the one on Sunday? Ottawa against Vala. What are you thinking for this one? Definitely not 6-1. Ah, I love it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Definitely not that. Uh, I, I'm going to say 1-0 Ottawa. Like a classic Atletico Ottawa win. Yeah, classic Atletico Ottawa win. It could be. Uh, And things are going well for them, no doubt about it. But another big game for Valor, and they will not be intimidated. And I believe soon after that, they go to Forge again. Uh, So a difficult run of fixtures for Phil DeSantis' team at the moment. But they are certainly responding very well to that. Uh, We cannot thank you enough for joining us. You could have been somewhere else, but you decided to be right here, listening to the Canadian Premier League analysis with Charlie Benedict. Thanks to Mitchell as well, AGR as well, and read their excellent work at Campion and of course on one soccer and thanks to josh hurd for joining us from the champs great to see them turning it around as well triple header returns next week as always uh you can watch the games live on one soccer and we'll be back with you next week i believe after the two games on tuesday on wednesday the 20th to break it all back down again that will be the next newsroom show as well and benedict will of course be all over the w championship going on and canada's pursuit to make paris 2024 until next week enjoy the games wherever you're watching them god bless and we'll see you soon This time he's on side! And Vincent have got it!